Well, thanks everybody for joining us on Logistics Executive TV. Very special interview today with a gentleman who I've been following now for well over a year on LinkedIn. I've uh, been communicating with him. Been a very hard man to track down. Uh, he is the uh, founder and uh, and uh, MD of an organisation, a charitable organisation. Uh, operating out of the US, but operating in Ukraine. It's called Tip of the Spear. It's landmine removal. Uh, and the gentleman's name is Ryan Hendrickson. Ryan, you're a, you're an ex-Green Beret. You're a project certified project manager. You're author of the Tip of the Spear. Uh, says on your low, on your uh, profile that you're retired, but you are far from retired, my friend, and you've been running some amazing missions into Ukraine. Welcome, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely, and um, thank you very much for having me on. It's uh, it's amazing. So, yeah, we um, tipped the spear, landmine removal, got our start in Ukraine back um, back in March when you know when the uh, Russians escalated the conflict there. Um, I was working a government contract at the time, um, left Afghanistan, um, early July, 21. And, um, once, once all that kind of closed down, I was just really left kind of, kind of empty and, uh, looking for my purpose. What, what now I've spent my entire military career in Afghanistan. Now what, um, February 24th rolled around. I was watching my TV just like everybody else around the world was. And um, I knew that I had to do something. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that um, there, you know, there had to be something I can do. Um, I've done, you know, my, my share of fighting uh, throughout the years as a green beret. So I didn't, I didn't think it was joining, you know, the international legion or anything like that. So I just went over and started helping evacuate civilians and, that turned into um, as civilians started heading back to their homes, they were getting blown up by landmines, um, UXO, stuff like that. And so I started doing these campaigns to uh, to kind of not not campaigns, but I started helping, um, you know, doing information or um, education, education for oh. the children. Don't touch this. Stay away from from that. And that turned into helping, you know, some of these, um, sapper units that were hastily created, um, training them up at the best that I could, which then turned into, you know, there's something here. I can help people with this, um, you know, with, um, doing this landmine removal and, and training people up and actually going out and, and, um, demining with them, um, from my experience as an 18 Charlie in special forces. And so I just started going back to Ukraine with this vision. Um, and I would bring equipment with me. I would come home, raise funds, buy equipment like, um, handheld detectors, remote pole equipment. I'd bring it over. I would train a unit up on it. Uh, my way of vetting them was we would go out and we would demine. <laughs> And then, um, you know, after 45 days to, you know, 60 days, I would say, okay, these guys, you know, you guys are good to go donate all the equipment over to them, return home and start the fundraising process again to do it all over again. Um, the only way we're going to be able to have an impact in Ukraine at all with the millions and millions of mines that are there is through force multiplying. You have to, 
um, you know, one team isn't going to be able to do it. You need to continue to make, um, to create these teams that are going to be able to not only um, fulfill the Ukrainian mine action standard and rules and regulations, but they're, they're going to be there and they can, and they're creating teams. And next thing you know, you have hundreds of the miners out there that are tackling this problem and um, making areas safe, you know, so civilians don't have to worry about their next step. Uh, you run a number of missions over there. I think I've been following you, what, a uh, year, year and a half. Uh, how many trips have you done so far? Because you go back and you and you, I know you you go back to raise funds and you, you talk to people, you get your equipment. I mean, we're, we're logistics people and logistics executive group and logistics executive TV. So I'm interested to know a little bit about the logistics of how you put this thing together. I mean, how did you actually get it off the ground? Did you have some, some donors that were there to help you out or how did it work? So, yeah, um, this September will be our sixth uh, mission going back, but <laughs> I, I still look back and try and figure out how it all got set the, the you know, how it all got kicked off. Um, again, going over there in the very beginning, when I came home from that trip, uh, um, I, I was asking for donations, but then it got brought up to me, you know, Hey, why don't you create a 501 C three so people wow. can get tax returns on their donations and you're a legal yeah. organization. And so that's yeah. what we did. And it was insane. Within two weeks, we had our 501 C three status. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, um, so we had our 501 C three status, but no, um, all of the fundraising that I've done, um, everything has been on social media through, um, Twitter is my biggest platform, but social media and just, and just people, you know, $10 here, $20 here, um, yep. people opening up their hearts, um, to, to help out. And, and so in the biggest thing, as you well know, that I do is I'm, a, I'm, I'm a huge, on donors have to see what their funds are going towards. That's the reason why people have asked me all the time, why do you video everything you do? You look for attention or something like that? And I go, well, in a way I am. Donors need to see what their funds are going to. Donors need to see. Yeah, donors need to see. Yeah. I've seen you discovering these things and then like you literally start at the beginning of the day and the video ends and there's about three or four hundred of these bloody mines lined up on the side of the road. It's uh, unbelievable, man. I just, I just, you know, so much respect for what you've been doing. And of course, you know, normally when we do these interviews, we don't want people to be selling, you know, what they do around the logistics or supply chain world. But this is all, this interview is all about getting you some support, my friends. So people can see up here where they can donate and where they can support. And we're going to come back to that right at the end. But, you know, I want to hear more about the story because, you know, this story has not been all, um, all uh, beer and skittles. Uh, there's been some issues, and I know that one of your team uh, suffered a, a significant injury, a massive injury, uh, beginning of this year, I think. And, uh, and from what I understand, he's still up at uh, up at the military base up in uh, Germany. Is that correct? 
Yeah. So um, June 7th, uh, Monty stepped on an anti-personnel mine. We were out in, um, we were out in Kharkiv and it was a, it was a very complex minefield where you had the anti-tank mines, which were being um, basically protected by the anti-personnel mines. And we hadn't even got to the part of the field where we started to encounter the bounding mines, but um, we found out later on, there was a bunch of bounding mines there too. So a very, very complex minefield, but um, yeah, PMN four uh, uh, ended up. You know, Monty ended up stepping on a PMN four, yeah. and um, it took half his foot off. Um, he's, you know, like like you just said, he's currently in Germany right now, um, going through some amazing, amazing uh, medical treatment there. Um, yeah, it's uh, I the response that we received from Europe alone. Um, it, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm going to go out there and step on a mine. I, I stepped on an IED in Afghanistan. Um, I, I know the pain it's, 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 it's bad, (laughs) but, um, the response we got from the Europeans, every single major military hospital from England to, I mean, I mean, Holland, Germany, Poland, you name it, all of them said, we'll, we'll do it. We, come here. We'll take care of you guys. Yeah. And, well, uh, yeah, we shout out to 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 Manny and his wife. I know his wife was over there helping out, and you know you had real real problems trying to get him back to the US originally. But it looks like the Europeans picked up uh, picked up the uh, the game and really helped out there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, very um, very reassuring. I will tell yeah. you that much right there from the from from the care. Um, we received from the Ukrainians, um, all the way up to every single hospital in Europe, basically opening up their doors, um, minus Russia, but, um, (laughs) but, um, very, very reassuring. It was, yeah, we're definitely not alone. And it it felt uh, like it's, it's horrible, but it felt good. The amount of support, it was just amazing. So, so the, the the tools that you're you're accumulating, we see you with the mine clearing tools. They're getting some really advanced uh, equipment. I noticed the other day you had some equipment that previously would would be interfered with by power lines and transmission lines, and now you've got a, a class of mine sweeping, like it's a big broom, right? A big plastic broom type thing for those who I don't know whether you've got one laying around the house, but um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, there it is. That's the baby right there, and it's the latest one, yeah. Yes, that's the uh, that's the Chea version three. Um, we we use the Chea detectors because they are a, a continuous wave and not uh, pulse induction. And pulse induction, uh, basically, what that does is you can be interfered with not only by electric um, electromagnetic fields like power lines. Um, but also you have to, um, you can't work within a certain, um, distance to another detector, which is over 10 meters. So that's, that's a pretty big distance between detectors. So they're not feeding off each other. Um, the Cheas, they, they have five different channels and, um, one Che on, um, separate channels. You can work within one meter of each other, if not even closer, but the the infrastructure in Ukraine, getting Ukraine back up onto its feet, getting 
getting a lot of these areas um, power, water, fuel, especially before winter comes up. It's huge. Power is the biggest one. And there are a lot of mines um, underneath the power lines. And unfortunately, um, a lot of the detectors that are being used over there, they they do not work under the power lines. And it's causing a lot of false um, feedback, almost to the point to where some of the demining crews just have to just demine via visually because there's so much feedback from the power lines um but we don't get that with the chaos which is um which is good okay so what are these things worth what, what is that piece of equipment worth us dollars so the Chea version three, this is way, way more than we actually need over there. But um, you're looking at uh, 16, 17,000 right there. The yeah. Chea version, yeah, the Chea version ones, um, that will do 90% or 95% of everything we need to do in Ukraine. And those are going uh, um, $2,400 a piece. Wow. But um, but yeah, the um, the Chea V3s. That's uh, that's the Ferrari of um, hand <laughs> handheld detectors. Um, well, it's it was huge, huge in Afghanistan because of the um, the command wire. Uh, I'm sorry, it would have been huge in Afghanistan because of the command wire threat. But um, but yeah, this is the Ferrari, the Chea version ones. Um, they're phenomenal devices, and uh, they're going to do everything you need them to do. Right. Well, good to hear. And, and, you know, we've got a potential audience of up to 300,000 followers on LinkedIn and our database, and we're going to be reaching out. People can see up here, and we're going to go back to, you know, where people can reach you, how they can support you and what have you. Um, talk to me a little bit about the logistics of getting over and back and the equipment. I mean, what sort of support do you need and where where do you operate? Where do you stay when you're there? What are all those, those logistics and supply chain issues you have to deal with? Because I don't think you've got a particularly big team. You're, you're a really lean operation, yeah? Uh, we are very lean operation because the majority of our demining force are local nationals, Ukrainians. Um, the logistics are, it's, it's very rudimentary right now. I'm literally bringing 15 suitcases full of detectors and equipment onto an aircraft. Um, United Air is usually who I fly and we're paying those baggage costs to get all of our stuff over there. Um, that's so yes, we do not have, I guess, a robust, um, logistics network yet. Um, yeah. We, yeah, we have like this little guy right here. So that's a Talon 4 um, tactical robot. We we were able to bring one over to Ukraine and it was a nightmare because of um, getting it on a, a civilian aircraft and getting it over to Ukraine. So yeah, yeah. logistics, logistics will make or break a mission um, 100%. And as we grow, if we don't extend or expand our logistics um, network and footprint, um, we're going to be limited on what we can provide because of logistics. So it's, it's thing, huge, yeah. but um, once, yeah, once we get over there, so because we've been traveling all over Ukraine, um, we've been staying in hotels and believe it or not, that's actually the largest, um, um, cost that yep. we, that, that we incur is, is hotel, um, the cost of, yeah, the cost of living with hotels and it's cheap in Europe, but you get six guys, you know, um, $50 a night 
and you're going to these different hotels, the, the, the price is going to rack up. So we're looking to find one location where we can just do the entire deployment in one location and then rent a house. Um, it'll yeah. be a lot cheaper for us. Um, and, um, it's just a lot more, it's just a lot more feasible than hotels, um, all the time, because that's, that's where the bulk of our operational expenses, um, go to is <laughs> hotels. It's crazy. Oh, so Yeah, I get it. And I was interested because, you know, it's a matter of if people watching this and they want to get support. Now, I want to make a very important point here. You're a non-combatant at all uh, operating there. You're, you're purely into demining. Uh, as I say, you, you started out with, as you said, started out by rescuing people, getting away from the front lines. And I know there's a couple of other operators, ex-US military being doing that as well, uh, Andy and, and a couple of other guys. Um, and, you know, so so for people who are concerned about getting involved in military uh, intervention on things, it's not happening. You're, you're all about creating peace and, and trying to save lives, yeah? Correct. Yeah, we're non-combatants. Um, we uh, we don't we don't demine in support of military operations. Um, I've been asked quite a few times, why don't we demine um helping out with the counteroffensive and it's that's not that that's not what our role is um we are focused pretty pretty main, mainly on agriculture demining um the second and the third order of effects of the of the agriculture um i guess the landmine crisis in the agricultural areas of ukraine is is affecting the world including you know the mm -hmm. continent of africa and multiple areas in the middle east that depend on ukrainian agricultural exports some of them for their very own survivability yeah. so we really focus on agricultural um demining um, projects battle area clearance not so much the humanitarian um demining right now because there's still an active conflict going on so um unless ukraine has dedicated certain areas for a humanitarian clearance which is what your halo trusts do your fsds and stuff like that um if they've dedicated these areas for humanitarian clearance um then you can actually conduct the humanitarian clearance you can give the uh, land use agreement to the farmers and everything like that but as of right now um, because the war is still ongoing and the areas where we do demine are closer to the front lines, um, we can't, we can only really do battle area clearance. Yep. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's what we're focused on in the agricultural areas, just trying to help revitalize, you know, um, what the i mean the breadbasket of the world basically um yeah and, and has there been any sort of estimate as to the amount of um the diminishment of of production that these mines are causing with the agricultural center i mean we know that the russians are just you know put a put a stop to the to the export of grain um although and they're bombing odessa and all around the coast and the uh, around the Black Sea and what have you to to undermine uh, the export of uh, of grains out of uh, and products out of Ukraine. But is there any feel for the, the percentile of of diminishment that that's, this is causing with the mines? So I don't actually have an exact percentage. Um, I know that that can be found. It's open source, but okay. I do know that yeah, I do know that it's um, it it's, it's, it's been it's it's big. 
Um, not just because um, the farmers can't get out to their fields and cut due to the landmines, but also, as you were saying, the Black Sea, um, the Black Sea situation with the grain and the Russians stopping the export of grain um, all the way up to infrastructure. Um, a lot of these silos on the Black Sea and everything like that being damaged. Um, yeah, there's 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 a lot of issues that play into it, but just purely what landmines in agricultural areas, um, how that's diminished it. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know there is an open source answer to it. I just don't know it off the top of my head. So, so what area in Ukraine do you, if the region generally would you look to get a house if you're going to get a place to try and keep your costs down? What, what area would it be near what city? So we've done we've done a lot of work um, up in the Kharkiv area, and so Kharkiv city um, would probably that would be one of the areas um, we are also being um, we're also looking at the Hirsan area, the Hirsan region, um, pretty. Um, pretty closely. And there's some areas there that if we could, if we could actually um, safely work without getting, getting hit with artillery, um, we, we do have some requests out in those areas for some help. Um, yeah. But I'm going to, yeah, I'm, yeah, it'll, I'll just say, uh, I'll just say here's on old blast for, uh, for, you know, security reasons, but <laughs> yeah, no, no problems. Hey, yeah. you get it. And, and you know, this is a different database that we're, talking to here than what you would normally talk to. So this is just a, a bolt-on database. So if anybody in uh, that Harkiv uh, Oblast area is what you're talking about, it's, it's got a property, it's got a house <laughs> that you could uh, rent or, or give to these folks uh, at the tip of the spear, you know, we're, I'm sure you'd really appreciate it. Yeah? Yeah, it would definitely be a rent situation because another thing we want to do is bring is get money back to the local economy, um, yeah. start to revitalize it through, you know, through, go, you know, everything we do is through the local economy. So, um, yeah, we would we're definitely looking to rent for sure. All right. Yeah, very, very cool. So so you're in the U.S. at the moment. Next mission, when are you leaving? Roughly. Uh, so we're going to be. Yeah, we're going to be leaving uh, roughly the middle of September okay. and, uh, you know, going to Poland like we normally do and then uh, and then make our way um, over to, uh, you know, to uh, Kiev, do some meetings there and then head out to our areas. Okay. Look, man, I'm, I'm going to stay in touch with you. I want to get you again once you're, you're in uh, situ over there in Ukraine. Uh, we want to get, get you on the ground and, and remind people again what you're doing with the equipment why you're there, um, promote the hell out of what you're doing to support you. Um, for, for now, you know, I just, I, I'm almost lost for words as to what you folks are doing. I know you've got, you're training a lot of people. I know you've done a hell of a lot of good work and you're going to be doing a lot more. Um, from simple, simple folks like us just cannot offer enough respect for what you're doing. I know that a lot of our audience, logisticians, logistics people, with a lot of people from the armed forces, and defence operations around the world who follow us as well. I'm sure that they would support me by by thanking you from the bottom of our hearts for the work that you're doing, for the lives that you're putting at risk, including your own. Uh, we will stay in touch. Just give us a blast right now. What are the best ways people can get in touch with you? And they'll be able to see that just above us as well. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is um, landmineremoval.org. And I'm also, I'm also on Twitter at tip of the spear. 42 um 
Yeah, tip the spear 42. Sorry. <laughs> yep. I, yep. Had, uh, had, a, had a brief lapse yep. in the brain there, but tip the spear 42 <laughs> on Twitter and uh, landmineremoval.org. Um, that has all of our information on there and ways for people to support. So I really, really appreciate you having me on. This is this is great. Least, least, uh, least a humble man like myself could do, my friend. So uh, you've got the book as well, Tip of the Spear. That's up here. People can also buy that. And in any other way that they can support you, of course, uh, Tip of the Spear will appreciate it. We'll appreciate it as followers and supporters, and uh, we'll hook up with you again in Ukraine. Ryan Hendrickson, ex-Green Beret, uh, leader in the Tip of the Spear, and... Uh, yeah, thanks again so much for, for taking time to speak to us and we wish you well and stay safe, my friend. Thank you very much. All the best. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Logistics Executive TV.